You're listening to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast, your podcast for escaping life's monotony, indulging in your wildest travel fantasies, and discovering the constant beauty of this ever-changing world. On today's episode, Jamie Edwards returns to share about her incredible African safari experiences and lets us in on some recommendations for family trips to Finland and Iceland. Welcome to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. We are your navigators, Allison and Regan. And welcome back to another Travel Tuesday. Uh, it's going to feel a little bit like deja vu today because uh, this is part two in a series with Jamie Edwards. Uh, and uh, before we jump on into her other stories that she's going to share with us today, just a quick plug for our website, www.wanderlustingwives.com. And there you can find easy links to all of our episodes, both the Wildcard Wednesday and Travel Tuesday episodes. Uh, and you can find more information about us, our travels. And if you want to be a guest, we're heading into, I think we're ready for season three guests at this point, Allie, which seems crazy. So if you want to be a guest for our season three of the Wanderlusting Wise podcast, we'd love to have you uh, reach out to us and get in touch. Allie can let you know how to do that. Yeah, social media is a great way to get in touch with us. We are the most active on Instagram, so you can follow us at Wanderlusting Wives. Facebook is Wanderlusting Wives Podcast, Twitter at Wanderlust Wives, and then we also have an email address. You can give us your feedback. If you'd like to be a guest, you can reach out to us via email as well. Our email is wonderlustingwives at gmail.com. And then we'd love for you to give us a five-star review if you wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I know Apple Podcasts allows you to leave like some words if you want to leave us um, some words or just a five-star review. We'd love that too. Um, and I guess without further ado, we have Jamie Edwards back, just like uh, Regan had shared. And she is from the I Am, I Am Lost and Found travel website. So welcome back, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you both for having me back. Jamie, have you traveled anywhere since we last had you on the podcast? Hmm, since last week. Let me think. <laughs> I did get up to Lehigh to take my son on a college visit. But other okay. than that, no. I've been firmly planted in D.C. since then. All right. The college visits, they take you places, you know. That's, they that's do. They do. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to go a little bit farther away than that, I think, to start our conversation today. And I know that you've been on a couple of different safaris. So how did that kind of come about that you ended up on a safari in the first place? So my first safari was my honeymoon. And what is sort of a, I'd say interesting about the way that came about is that my husband planned our honeymoon as a surprise. So, which is pretty, uh, was pretty challenging for me to not know where I was going for my honeymoon. But thankfully, I, I, I had enough trust and faith in him to marry him. So enough also to uh, have him plan the honeymoon. So we, uh, the backstory is that he, um, I guess as a birthday gift, gives me this really pretty overnight bag, this uh, red coach bag leather, um, accents. It was beautiful. And I said, this is a, this is such a great bag. I'm, you know, it's a great weekend bag. And he said, this is the bag you're going to pack for our honeymoon for three weeks. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. Where are we going? And he said, I'm not telling you. So it was a little bit of a puzzle. He did say we're going somewhere warm. 
and he gave me some guidance. And he did say where we were going would have laundry facilities. So that was helpful. So pack in this uh, small weekend bag for three weeks I did and we get to the airport and we are on our way to Tanzania. And it was a, a huge surprise. I did have to get shots in advance. So I knew we were going somewhere that was off the beaten path. Uh, I did get, um, we took malaria pills and I did have to get some uh, uh, vaccines. And it was truly the most spectacular uh, experience being up close and personal with then what I was really after the big five, the animals that everybody talks about. But while we were there, we saw a family of uh, five, um, a couple with three kids. And we kind of made a promise to each other on our honeymoon that one day when we had kids, uh, that we would take our kids on safari. And sure enough, in I guess, uh, maybe three or four years ago, we took both of our kids to Botswana and South Africa and really fulfilled it. Full circle. You got to love that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. So you're packing for three weeks. And my question here is, so you're going on safari. You went to Tanzania second time, Botswana, South Africa. Being gone for that long what part is actually the safari? Like how, what does your itinerary look like for a trip like sure. that? Um, well, we were booked in for a few different lodges uh, and in Tanzania, they have game reserves and they also have uh, the Serengeti, which is this huge, um, huge uh, nature reserve, the Serengeti. And then there's a place in Tanzania that's pretty famous. It's called the Angorogoro Crater. And for those who don't know what that is, and I certainly didn't uh, when I until I got there, it's this enormous crater in Tanzania that uh, just all the animals live within this enormous, I don't know how many mile wide crater, but every day we would sort of stay up on the outskirts of the crater um, in our hotel, but more of a lodge. And every day we would get into a Jeep in the mornings, early mornings when you usually see the animals and late late afternoon and we would go down into the crater in the jeep we'd spend two to three hours on a game drive spotting animals and go back up to the lodge for lunch to relax take a swim and then take a second game drive in the late afternoon so that was kind of the daily itinerary was two game drives a day and of course you don't have to take go on both game drives but we didn't want to miss any uh it's not as if we were going to be in Africa often, we wanted to really maximize our time there. And the place we stayed in the Angorogoro Crater was more of a traditional lodge. But when we stayed out in Grumeti and the Serengeti, we stayed in what was sort of a permanent canvas tent. And that allowed for you to really hear the sounds of Africa even well into the night uh, because it was just a canvas uh, between you and the the uh, outside world. And there was no electricity uh, beyond a certain time. They shut it off. And it was it took a lot of getting used to just being what I felt like it, it may as well have been on the moon. It was so different from my life, which at that time we were living in Manhattan. So it was uh, surreal to hear such unique sounds in the night, the lions roaring, hyenas cackling. Uh, one night, some animal jumped onto our tent and all I saw was sort of claw marks <gasps> on, the, 
I don't know what it was. I didn't go outside, of course. Um, oh, that's no. Part of the adventure and excitement of Africa is every day something really crazy can happen. Wow. That is unreal. <laughs> what went through your mind? Was it like in the middle of the night? Like, what was, was happening? <laughs> it wasn't quite, I remember it couldn't have been in the middle of the night because our, our light was still working. So it was probably dark outside. And I mean, I imagine it might have been like a monkey. Uh, the thing with the tents, the permanent tents, is that you really have no need to fear the animals unless you're outside, which you shouldn't be at night and they don't allow it because the animals don't really know the difference between a soft barrier and a hard barrier. So they see a tent just as they would see a brick wall. Uh, but in this particular case, something just jumped on our jumped on our tent. But I do remember, and I'm getting confused about where this may have happened. This may, may have been on a different trip when I went to Uganda with a friend many years later I stayed in uh, a tent camp and I was by myself uh, because I was meeting up with my friend later in a different part of uh, Uganda and uh, an elephant walked past my tent very slowly and sort of brushed up alongside the edge of the tent, which was the most incredible sound. Uh, and I held my breath and I just, I just kind of listened. And I think that's sort of the, best thing you can do in Africa is just listen at night when you're in bed. Wow. That, yeah. All of the senses, get all of the senses involved. And that's incredible. Like the things that you're saying you were hearing, like the lions roaring. Yes. Similar to like we were talking about in our last episode, this just seems otherworldly. It really does. And Manhattan is a different kind of zoo. Oh, that <laughs> is then... for sure. It's more dangerous. That's that's true. It's I mean, I'm more fearful of people than I am of animals. Uh, and if you do, as far as the safety safety goes, especially if you're with kids, and um, there have been people who've asked me in the past, how young would you take a child on safari? And in my opinion, I think that it depends on the child, of course, but you need to have a lot of patience because although you're seeing animals, there is a little lag time between seeing them. You're looking to find them. They're not all just in, it's not a zoo. So you have to go look for them. And once you find them, you have to be patient to watch them and observe them. So if you have a child who is very antsy, can't sit still, even at 12 or 14, it might not be the right trip. But I, our kids were over, I guess, 11 at the time, and they got so much out of it. I wanted them to be able to remember the trip. So I think it was important to take them when they would have memories of it. And the other thing to note was you're often in open Land Rovers. There, there's no sides, to the, um, no windows, at least the ones we've been on. And it's very important that kids don't jump out or that no one throw, puts their hands out to wave because the animals see the Land Rover as a big animal, not if you get out, they'll see you as a small animal. So they, you want to stay inside the Land Rover. I know it sounds um, like common sense, but you wouldn't believe what people do uh, when they want to get yeah. a picture, especially. Yeah. I mean, we see that in our own country too, with getting close to bears and 
bison and Yellowstone or whatnot. Yeah, let the animals do what they're doing, and you just calmly and quietly observe. That's that's incredible. So what what did you see? I'm sure you saw a lot, but I'd love to even hear about it. All uh, of it. <laughs> well, people tend to go to Africa to see what they call the big five, which I believe, oh God, I'm going to get the giraffe, the zebra, the rhino, the, the bison and the lions. Well, there's more than five, but there is a big five out there. And of course that's very exciting. Maybe it's the leopard that's in there. Um, the most elusive are the leopards and the cheetahs. And so I feel that when we've, we've seen one or two cheetahs on our travels and we saw one leopard that we tracked for about an hour. And it's just magnificent to watch an animal in its natural habitat do their thing. Uh, it's humbling. Uh, and it's, I feel really lucky that I was able to just spend an hour watching a beautiful animal just hunt for prey uh, to see a pride of lions that had just taken down um, a water buffalo. And I mean, it sounds, you know, it's upsetting, of course, to see an animal kill another animal, but this is what life is like there. And just quietly watch uh, the behavior of the animals, for instance, with the lions, the pride, the biggest animals go first, the, the male and then the females, and then the cubs kind of get the scraps. Whereas I feel like in our world, we all give our kids everything and we're like, oh no, we'll we'll take the we'll take the scraps. But just the opposite. And watching them play and then roll over onto their back to digest and lay, kind of lay there and snooze. It's all um mesmerizing, I thought. Yeah, you bring mm-hmm. up a good point because I was wondering what that was gonna be like if you did see some animals be killed. Like, was that really upsetting and like you said it is upsetting so yes you already answered that question but was there anything that surprised you about any animal encounters that you had maybe the elephants were bigger than you thought or noisier than you thought or was there you know experiences that you had that were surprising or you didn't expect them to happen I think I was most surprised especially in my first time is that there's really nothing to fear about the animals there unless you are doing something to provoke them they're not looking to get you um the lions aren't sort trying like trying to attack you. So if you do everything sort of by the rules in the book, uh, you will you'll be safe. And although it is a lot of it is really unnerving, uh, but I think that some of the surprises, of course, were uh, the wildebeest migration. I have to say that was millions of wildebeest kind of crossing your path was. Uh, slightly terrifying but also beautiful to watch uh that that was a surprise to me uh I think every day had some sort of surprise and in the best possible way and then at the end of our days you would go back to the tent camp and you'd have dinner with the group and everybody would be swapping stories about something that they saw that day that was especially incredible um another thing I found surprising is how um, terrifying and aggressive the hippos can be. I think we kind of grow up thinking that hippos are like these kind of cute, fat, you know, hungry, hungry hippos. Yeah. Hippos. These hippos are really, they, I mean, they, 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 their eyes kind of pop up. We were in the Okavanga Delta in Botswana and we were on a boat and 
thank God for the guides who kind of know, but a pod of hippos, I mean, they, they came charging at us in the water and then they disappear <laughs> below the water. And you're thinking, where are they going to resurface? Oh, <laughs> my, no. my daughter was really afraid of the, the hippos. And I think that's another thing when, when you're talking about a family trip, you want to make sure that your kids aren't either going to be really upset by a kill if they see one or that they're not going to be scared. Um, so again, it depends on the kid. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling and start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And the best part, they have podcasts. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. You can even find us there. I started using it as my default podcast app. They even have a digital radio. Download and use Newsly for free now at www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code WIBES. That's W-I-B-E-S. And you can get a one-month free premium subscription. You can find all this information in our description from this episode. And now back to our episode. How did you know, if you're willing to share, like how did you know that like your kids were ready and how did you prepare them for a trip like that? That's a good question. I am not sure. Um, I think with my son, it was really just it, once he got to the point where he could sit still, which took a very long time. Um, I our, My daughter's always really been into animals and wildlife. I don't know if at the time I really did think about the things I'm talking about right now, the kill and that. Uh, if I had, I don't know. Um, I probably could have prepared them a little bit. And I believe that the guides do a really great job. Not only do they they know how to track and find the animals based on animals uh, like birds circling in the sky or the, where they um, might see where their footprints are. They are really great about preparing kids and families for what they're about to see. Um, so it's a real talent that they have. I think you really have to trust your guides and find good guides. Who were the guides that you went with? Like, was it a company or how did you find it? It's true. So um, when we went on our honeymoon, my husband used um, a, a outfitter that's no longer in existence. But when we went to Botswana in South Africa, we used a company called Makato and they um, help prepare us. You can either do private or you could do something where you're with other, other families and they pretty much put the entire trip together for you so that you don't have to worry about getting from point A to point B. Uh, and I think in the case of a safari, it's so different. You really just want someone to, to tell you everything that you need to do on any given day and take all the stress out of the planning. So that's who we used. And when I went to Uganda to track the silverbacks, which I didn't do with my kids, I did with a friend, we used Wild Frontiers, which was very well known for... Um, silverback tracking in Uganda. But there are, I mean, if you do research, there's so many uh, that you that you can choose from just sort of different price points, which will mean different sort of levels of luxury of where you stay. But the hospitality sphere in 
at least all the places we've been and everybody I've heard of who's done different trips, they just do hospitality and tourism so well there. It's hard to go wrong. Man, I just, <laughs> I'm trying to picture because my extent of animal knowledge is a zoo, like a traditional like zoo, anybody knows, and then Discovery Channel. Yes. Yep. So I'm trying to put myself in that position of like, oh, you're seeing an, a lion in its natural habitat. Like, so it's not like, say, Animal Kingdom and Disney World where the lion's just propped on the rock. Right. Where was the lion? Like, how did you discover it? I'm just trying to ask this question. I'm like, I don't even know how to ask the question. (laughs) Well, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes the, um, especially if you're in a a reserve or a game park, they have habits just like, just like any animals would. So the guides tend to know that certain times of day they may pass through here that this particular pride likes to um, hide beneath these acacia trees so they have some general ideas where they can start looking but it still could take a lot of time to find them and but when you do find them you feel like you have just unwrapped the best holiday present on earth it's such a treasure to find a pride of lion or one time we um we're driving really fast on our way to um, where we heard there might be a leopard in a tree. And we surprised um, a few elephants that just trumpeted and jumped up on their, you know, went up on their back legs and trumpeted at us. Uh, it's when those things, too, that really add to the excitement that you're sort of uh, don't expect to see. And that happens a lot. One morning we woke up at 6 a.m. in Botswana and we were just going outside of our camp. I mean, within two minutes of like leaving the, the tent camp. And I look over to my right and I see a silhouette of this beautiful cheetah. And I said to our guide, is that a cheetah? And he, we were so close to camp, he wasn't even starting to really look yet. And we stopped and, oh, it was so beautiful. It was just, uh, I mean, there's such beautiful animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love- that's a great point. Go ahead, Allie. Yes, I love that your stories that you've shared on this episode and the other episode have nature involved and animal encounters and just the theme of like adventure. So how have your travels surrounded adventure in other locations, maybe in the U.S. or in other parts of the world? Well, I think some of, if if I'm going to keep it all to some family theme travel, especially when it comes to adventure, another place we went that was really fascinating, even from an animal point of view, but different, was Finland uh, in the winter. We traveled just after Christmas to Finnish Lapland. And again, I wasn't really sure what was meant by Lapland until I did some research. Uh, Lapland is the northern parts of Finland, Norway, Sweden, and parts of Russia. It's a region that sort of encompasses them all. So Sweden has Lapland to the north and they all it falls within the arctic circle so we took our family to finnish lapland where we did not see polar bears we i think we were not far enough north but we did see mm-hmm. reindeer and huskies and it was on snow bunnies or or um hares and it was a different kind of adventure uh in that sense, doing everything in almost pitch black, almost 22 hours of darkness. 
they're two of the polar, if I pardon the pun, um, polar <laughs> opposites that we're talking about here too. Exactly. Exactly. Man. So how, what was that like to be like just in darkness? Well, a lot of people have said and did say before we left, are you, are we, what are you kidding? Crazy. You're, you're going on a family trip to the, to almost pitch dark. When the fact is you do everything there in the dark that you would do in the day. Uh, we snowmobiled, um, we tobogganed, we snowshoed, ice skated, uh, we did ice, went ice karting on a Arctic track. And from the kid's point of view, it was kind of, I don't know, they thought, they thought it was pretty amazing. They'd say it was one of their best trips ever. And so at probably around noon, by noon, it was the brightest or one o'clock that it was going to be. So it was almost like the minute that it was br- bright, it started to go down again. So you had about two hours of very beautiful skies. Um, almost like this sunrise sunset happening at once and the skies would turn powder blue and purple and lavender. And we just sort of um, did our activities sort of over that time. But then there were so many activities we could do in the dark. And as long as you have a headlamp uh, and a good guide, like we did in Africa, having a good guide is really critical. Uh, it, It just made for a fantastic trip. I'm dying to know, did you get to see the Northern Lights? Because that is something on my bucket list, and I need to know if you experienced that. And if you did, what was that like? So that was really my sneaky thing about wanting to take this trip in the first place, is that I really wanted to see the Northern Lights, but no one else in my family cared. And so I tried to wrap up this Finland trip being so exciting and wonderful, not knowing for sure that it would be. And we Apparently, they say that Finland has some of the best chances of seeing the Northern Lights, uh, and we did see them only once in seven days. So there's no guarantee. So I think it's worth going to see the Northern Lights, but having your expectations that you may not because the conditions have to be, there has to be like a grouping of different conditions that have to to, uh, happen. But the one night we did, it was like 17 below. It was really cold. And I still could not bring myself inside. We were staying in sort of a glass cube. And so we could see it through the cube. But I just wanted to get outside and take pictures. And it it was ethereal. I mean, it was green swashes across the sky. And you'd see twinkling lights. And it really was, I mean, I wish I wasn't so cold. Uh, but that just went went along with the territory. But it was phenomenal. Yeah, I was really oh. the only one who cared. Still, there's an app that you can. I downloaded an app that sort of tells you if the conditions are going to be conducive to seeing the northern lights on any given a night. So I was up all night looking at my app, driving my husband crazy. <laughs> but it was worth it. Well, the next Ellie, time you, you want to go, yeah, the next time you want to go see Northern Lights, we are down and we will not care what time of night it is. We will Did be you there see them outside. in Iceland when you went to Iceland? No, unfortunately. Yeah. It's hard. Even in New York State, you could see them. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're elusive. Uh, and also, yeah, it's my husband and I had a boat. We sold it recently, but we would go up to the Thousand Islands in New York State all the time. And th- 
I think it was maybe last summer that people started seeing the Northern Lights from there. So we're like, oh, maybe we'll see them. Still haven't seen them. So maybe we need to get this itinerary for Finland and have a better shot at it. (laughs) Yeah, Finland, or they say the Yukon is a good place to go now, a little bit closer. Uh, I would love to see them again in my lifetime. I mean, I'm grateful I saw them once. But I would like to see them again. But I guess I think a lot of people might assume that a vacation in almost complete darkness is not going to be fun. And it really was. And my kids would not throw credit towards me if they, I mean, it was probably hard for them to admit what a great vacation that was. But it is one of their favorites, as was Iceland. Yeah. So Iceland, I, I, we're trying to pack it in here. I'm really, really loving all these different destinations we're getting here. So Iceland, what did you do in Iceland? We, we do have a two-part series on Iceland from our trip, but I'd okay. love to kind of compare notes. Well, I'll tell you in a nutshell that we pretty much decided that we were going to spend three nights in Reykjavik on our way there. And then we took another flight up to Akureyri and we spent eight nights in what's called the Troll Peninsula. So a lot of what we did revolved around, I mean, as you probably know, we we were there during where it was almost 23 hours of light. We were there in the summer. So you could do anything all day. We went hiking. We went whale watching. We went to an island that was only had puffins. We kayaked. We fly fished. We did archery. I mean, it's, it's a wonder. It's like, camp for grown-ups um well and kids (laughs) one fun activity after another after another which i'm sure you remember yeah uh iceland is amazing yeah so my question here too so iceland and finland um we haven't been to finland went to iceland as adults for kids what do your kids love about a trip like this like how do you plan things that you know your kids are going to like in those places Well, when our kids were younger, it was really easy to just take them on a beach vacation and give them a pail and some sand, and I would be able to relax with a book. But as they got older, especially in their years, like high school years and intermediate school years, they didn't want to sit on the beach with a book. They didn't want to, they really didn't want to sit on the beach. And so we started to look for vacations that could kind of tick lots of different boxes, There was some relaxation built in, like in Finland, they have a really strong sauna culture and wellness culture and sitting by the fire with whether it's kind of hot tea. So a place like Finland uh, had some of that relaxation built in, but then it had also this adventure built in. So in our particular case, we knew that our kids liked that sort of adventure we'd sort of raised them and also to want to try adventurous things like hiking, even if they complained about it, which they did for many years. And now I think that they just have that, that um, kind of wanderlust in them that they just want to do those kinds of exciting trips. I know a lot of families who still take just beach vacations with their kids and the kids still love it. But I think with our family, we just wanted to try some, maybe some less typical trips Mm -hmm. sounds like it was well worth it what what amazing experiences your kids have been exposed to Allie and I both grew up traveling too and we understand like that's really important it's really cool if you're able to like however much a family is able to to just 
expose your kids to different cultures and languages and food? What was, okay, your take on Finnish and Icelandic food. I would love to hear this. Well, so, and the vegetarians out there and the vegans are not going to want to hear this, but in Finland, there's a lot, you eat a lot of reindeer. So you not only take reindeer rides, but you are also eating reindeer, Uh, which I will say I eat absolutely everything. I mean, I, I don't think I came away from Finland saying it was my favorite food in the world, but I also knew I wasn't going there for the food. Uh, and I, but I really enjoy trying the traditional dishes, the stews, they have a lot of fish like kippers and, and fish that are really, really strong. So I kind of pushed my boundaries and, um, tried everything. And in Iceland, I really enjoyed the food in Iceland. Uh, the place we stayed had a wonderful chef and we had a lot of game meats and a lot of, uh, lamb, which what probably sheep lamb is like their one of their biggest uh um animals that they have there i i we had a lot of arctic char a lot of fresh fish i think it's uh good to push yourself sometimes but i was happy to get home and order a pizza to be honest (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel that i'm not as adventurous as you but sometimes you just need a good old pizza from the u.s Slap on all the grease, the cheese, the pepperoni, you know, you just need to go back to, to your American ways sometimes. But I like that you're so adventurous and that you've challenged your kids to be adventurous as well. I think it's so easy. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak from a parent, but I think it's so easy for parents to just want to protect their kids and be like, we're not going to go on a game drive because what if the lion jumps on our, you know, vehicle or something <laughs> crazy, right? So that might stop parents from doing that. But I think it's really um, admirable that you've taken the time to create these adventures for your kids that I'm sure are going to last a lifetime for them. And I guess my final question, unless Regan has more questions, is do you have another adventure in the works, whether that be with your kids or not? We do. Well, um, since my daughter's now in college and my son is now a senior, we really only have like our summer vacations as a family. So I am already starting to think about next summer. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are planning to go back to Scandinavia. We are going to go to Norway and the Lofoten Islands, which are, I, I don't know if they're quite, they might be in the Arctic Circle. Have you been there? No. Not. So that is sort of next on our list and staying at um, these kind of sea cabins that are in a fishing village kind of have piqued my interest. So one day in the future, if I go, I ha- happily come back and talk about it if uh if you'll have me, um, that, that, that to me also will have a lot of adventure built in. It'll be summertime. It'll be a lot of hiking and kayaking and things that we love. I'm sure there'll still be a lot of, um, fresh fish. And, uh, so that, that we're looking, really looking forward to that. Sounds amazing. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Let us know (laughs) when you're back because we'll definitely have you on. Amazing. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for just sharing your experiences and your kids' experiences too, honestly, like um, in all of these really amazing destinations. We're we're really glad that you came on. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, lo- I mean, I really have loved reliving my trips, talking to you about them. So thank you.
Yes, thank you. We've loved having you on. And make sure you check out Jamie's website. She has way more destinations um, on there, and I'm sure you will enjoy reading those as well, uh, just as much as listening to our episode. So thanks again, Jamie, and make sure you check out the Antarctica episode as well if you didn't already. Thank you both. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonderlusting Wives podcast. Come escape with us again every other Tuesday for Travel Tuesdays and every other Wednesday for Wildcard Wednesdays. Don't forget to give us a subscribe and a follow on all of our social media and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, wander on.